I'm Lee Larie. And I'm Nick B. Listen, we're just two single girls from the City of Roses discussing all things love, lust, and perception. And roses are a symbol of all things beautiful about love. But as you know, love can get a little dirty. So we're here to talk about it. Dirty Roses Podcast starts now. Before we begin this episode, we want to issue a trigger warning. Today, we'll be discussing domestic violence, a sensitive and potentially distressing topic. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, please know that help is available. You can contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE or text the word START to 88788. Or if you are in immediate danger, please call emergency services. Our intention in discussing this topic is to raise awareness, provide support, and encourage conversations about prevention and intervention. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, I'm Lee Larie. And I'm Nick B. And welcome to Dirty Roses Podcast. Well, today we are getting serious and we've got some amazing, beautiful ladies in the studio with us that um, kind of hopped in our DMs on a, on, a, on a professional tip, you know what I'm saying? Um, but they're doing, in the way we like. Right, the right. way we like. Hop in my DMs all the time when it's like this. I love this. They're doing an event and they wanted to promote it on the show and I said, why don't y'all come and tell your stories? Because they're really deep, they're really important. And this is a good topic. I mean, it's something that everybody has either witnessed, experienced, or they, they know somebody that knows somebody at the minimum, right? It's the dirty mm-hmm. part of the road. It is. It's and not the not the good kind of dirty. No. Mm-hmm. no. We talked about those in other episodes. Yes, yes yeah. we did. <laughs> um, but today we are joined by Miss Yolanda Merriweather and Miss Kenyatta Trice. And they are well, Yolanda and her um, co-founder, who is not here today, unfortunately, yes. but we're gonna talk, we're gonna share a little bit about her. Okay. Um, but they're putting on an event called let me see. Survivors of Domestic Violence, and it's going to be this amazing event that they're going to be hosting for survivors, a nice brunch, and they're going to talk about it a little bit later, but Ms. Yolanda, you are the co-founder, or founder of, founder, founder of okay. the Inner Beauty in You, and it's a nonprofit, correct? Yes, ma'am. I love this, so tell us a little bit about yourself, and okay. about your nonprofit. Okay, well, you know, my name is Yolanda Merriweather, I was born in Portland, Oregon, um, I did live in Las Vegas for 12 years in Georgia, close to five. Mm-hmm. I ended up coming back here in 2010. Um, Inner Beauty and You have been in my heart since maybe I was probably about a 17-year-old young woman. Okay. Um, and the reason why it came about is that in my family structure, my father's side of the family was Creole, mm-hmm. and my mother's side of the family were black okay. and I was dark like my mother and all the rest of the side of the family mm. were light skinned. Okay. So I was in a colorist mm. environment. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would find myself often hurt and feeling less than mm. and one day my grandmother said, Beauty's not on the outside, it's mm. on the inside. Oh, and that no matter what you do if you don't treat people the way you're supposed to treat them, you can be beautiful on the outside right. and it's not gonna matter. Still, yeah. That was the first part. The second part that came in with the inner beauty in you, it had been in my heart for over 20 years, okay. um, was the fact that many years ago, I felt that women, we were uh, disposable. We were, we we came a dime a dozen. We we. We were always the one loving and right. giving, and mm. and um, even some beautiful women were being misused and stuff. Right. And I was like, you know what? And then I remember being younger. I had a, my son when I was 17, and I thought, what if there was somebody there to tell me that I I didn't have to be out there like that? Right. I I could go to college. I I needed to finish school. Mm. I needed to do this. Someone to invest into me. Yeah. And I said, I'm gonna start this as a mentorship program for young women. But then I was like, okay, they start young and when they're like nine and 10, they're looking at the teenage girls, Mm -hmm. but then the teenage girls can often, not all, turn into the young women that are at home with the children, Mm -hmm. not working living on the system. Yeah. So I said, this is for the empowerment of all women. I love it. What hit me deeply was the fact that I, during this 
starting off doing this, I was running into another a lot of women that were coming out of domestic violence situations. Okay. Okay. Broken women, mm-hmm. like didn't want to work, didn't want to eat. They were a shell of themselves. Yeah. And me and Calandra Porter Wright, she's the um, founder, director of Porter House Resources. Okay which is all about home ownership, credit repair, mm-hmm. um, getting your GED, going to school. She's, she's the education guru. Oh, I love it. And so she was like, I was starting my nonprofit and I, I wasn't 501c3 yet. And I was going to all the nonprofits and asking them, will you sponsor me? Will you fiscally sponsor me? And they wouldn't. They wouldn't help me. They closed me out. And so Calandra said, I, be- I, I believe your heart and I believe in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sponsor you. So she would let me apply for stuff under her sponsorship oh, wow. to get yes. things going. And so we began to get things going. And then my 501c3 came through. Mm. And then we said, oh, girl, we don't care if your 501c3 came through. <laughs> we are about to. Yes. We're, we were trying to get with other women yes. and nonprofits yeah. to do a. Co- we, there, there's power in numbers. Yep. The Bible yeah. says that when two are together, one can help the other one Absolutely. up if they fall. Right. right. So she was said, I said, you know what, girl, guess what? I think that we should take our nonprofits mm. and be partners. I love it. And so we have part. She yes. still has her own nonprofit. Mm-hmm. I still have mine. But with her education side, my mentorship mm-hmm. side, we we feel like the two of us together yeah. can put that Real together. So thing. that's kind of yeah, how Inner it. Beauty and You came about. I love it. Um, it still does with mentorship. Uh-huh. It it did. We did adopt families for Christmas. Um, we have on staff a trauma-informed social worker with her master's degree for women, uh, women who are self-trafficked. There is someone on our group that can help them. We, we it, it's no longer just about mentoring; it's yeah. about the empowerment of women. Because you can mentor people, but if you haven't helped them fix the, or not even fix, but just help them heal yeah. from what they're going through, right? That mentorship doesn't mean anything. Right. right. Oh, I love that. I love that story. We're going to get back to okay. what we're here for, but I want okay. to introduce Ms. Kenyatta Trice with Trice OCS. Ma'am, mm-hmm. tell us about yourself and your nonprofit. Yes, yeah, so oh, it is for profit. It's a for profit. It's, it's, it's for profit. <laughs> Hold on. It's about the point. Exactly. So, uh, Kenyatta Trice, uh, born and raised in Portland, Oregon, grew up in Northeast Portland, uh, graduated from Jefferson High School. Um, Look, <clears throat> demos. I say, look at all the way one age. Just Brett Benson right here. It's gonna go forever. And then Vancouver. So a year after graduation, um, you know, we had that idea of what do you want to be when you grow up? What does it look like? I didn't know. I was like, I'll just be in somewhere administration. I'll be an executive admin, making some money. That'd be fine. I like to help out and um, help out with like producing and get things through through, through a process. So a year after graduation, um, I met a man and he was beautiful and all the things, um, but he was also abusive. Mm -hmm. So that was part of my growing up was being a part of this domestic violence relationship. Um, Leaving that relationship uh, or during that relationship only working warehouse, I'm on top of roofs, replacing mm. shingles. I'm tearing wow. down walls. Mm-hmm. I'm in putting tile in on floors. So, so major I'm, labor. Yeah. Major labor, right? Yeah. From admin, being behind the desk, answering the phone. Um, so getting back into, once I left that relationship, getting back into the job market was hard. Mm-hmm. Because now it's like, how can I sell myself on paper mm-hmm. as a black woman? Um, when it happened, I had scars and marks. So like, how can I be mm. the face of a company? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh-huh where most of the companies are primarily white that right. pay a good amount right. of money. So I struggled hard, um, ended up at a staffing agency where I was like, I'll just do temporary jobs until mm-hmm. I can get there. Mm-hmm. Creating that plan to work in warehouse, somewhere in the back office doing order entry, mm-hmm. somewhere that can get me closer to working in an office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, still didn't know what I want to be, just know I need to work at this point, mm-hmm. right? Um, so just going through that process at the staffing agency, going to different jobs, they offered me a position. So now I'm working there as a staffing assistant, helping um, people 
attain employment. Right. Um, it was the the first black owned staffing agency in Portland, oh, yeah. Brooks mm-hmm. Staffing. Yeah. yeah. I worked um, there. Yeah. 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 So a lot of people went through there, yeah, right? That's so, a staple. Yeah, it is. So working it's there. Uh-huh. It's now it's gone. No, I know. Oh, it used to be, used yeah. to be like on Tenth and Alberta. Yeah. yeah. So I worked there, um, helping people with barriers get to employment. So that's mm-hmm. where I kind of started understanding what barriers were. Even though I was going through, I didn't really realize mm-hmm. it. But learning how to help other folks attain the jobs that they want based on what their paper looks like. Um, so I left that position to work at Bradley Angle, which is a domestic mm-hmm. violence yeah. resource center. Yes as the economic empowerment coordinator, working with survivors and helping them um, attain their financial uh, stability again. Mm -hmm. So in doing that, um, I still help people with their resumes. I'm like, you know, they're like, you gotta do my resume. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it real quick. (laughs) And then I was like, well, let me charge a little $25 a little bit here and there, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) So I started, you know, charging and then, you know, during that time, that financial abuse part really mm. was there with me and I was struggling mm. but I was making this little money on the side being able to pay bills provide food for the house things right. of that nature and then I it dawned on me through the position at Bradley Angle when I went to go audit a class about business because that is one of the options mm. that domestic violence survivors may have to go through right. is owning their own business I learned that I have a business yeah like, oh, yes. yeah I have a service Oh, I do track because I was keeping track of like uh-huh. who I had and how much money. And I was like, get out of here. And then one day, <laughs> I'm paying my bills and I'm always behind on bills and I'm paying. I'm like, why do I got extra money? Ooh. So I'm like, Lord, I must have <laughs> forgot. <laughs> well, I thought I forgot a bill. I was nervous. It scared me. I was like, I forgot to pay a bill. You know, oh, everything yeah. depended on me making money every month so I can pay my rent, mm-hmm. electricity. So I'm like, Lord, right. I cannot forget a bill. So I'm like scrambling, trying to figure it out. And then it clicked like, oh. Yes. Yeah. This is a whole business. Yes. So then that's when I started incorporating the okay. things that I learned from auditing the class to incorporate okay. from my own business. So that um, bought about Trice Occupational Consulting Solutions. There we go. Trice OCS. <laughs> so um, some people call me the resume lady. Yes. Um, I've helped a lot of folks just rebuild themselves on paper. Yeah. Understanding what the employer looks at, understanding what is needed for a person to attain a mm-hmm. job is definitely helpful. Mm-hmm. And even just for myself in that position where I'm looking for work, yeah. having a warehouse, how can right. I get from warehouse right. to right. admin? Because you've got the whole gambit of experience mm-hmm. at this yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. I know some people that need your services today. So and then that kind of turned into me doing business development because uh-huh. people are like, well, look at my um, business plan and tell me what you right. think. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't. I don't do those. I do resumes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, let me look. So I looked and I'm like, oh, it's essentially you, the same. You don't know what you know until thing. you start doing it. You're like, wait a minute. I do have this experience. Yeah. Yes. So then I built like on that and mm-hmm. so on and so on. So in my business, I do business consulting and okay. employment consulting. And then also, I am the director of the Oregon Minority Business Development. Wow. Yes, ma'am. Wow. <laughs> yes, ma'am. We work with minority Oops. businesses in Oregon <laughs> to get them. To the next level in earning revenue. I so. love it. Okay, and so you tapped into a little bit about that you have some experience with domestic violence. Yes. And I know that you, Yolanda, as well, and then also Miss um, Calandra does, and she's not here to share her story, but mm-hmm. this is kind of how you guys are collaborating right now because she is going to be the keynote speaker at this event that I mentioned earlier on. Mm-hmm. So we yes. would love to know about <laughs> the event and who's coming who's allowed to come who how can they get there like what does this look like absolutely um me and Kalandra um she actually resides in California Mm. and she owns a home in California and also Lake Oswego and her nonprofit that is there she got that big money she's a Business right. owner, she owns a logistics company, and she actually drives 18-wheelers. Oh, nice. So she, I when I that. said that nobody would, would take me under their wing, yeah. she did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. she was like, Yolanda, this is a donation to your um, mm-hmm. nonprofit, $300. I want you to buy as many turkeys as you can okay. and give it out. Okay. So she's just been my mentor. So it. what ended up happening we were talking about doing something for Mother's Day. Okay. But in the meanwhile, we were running into these broken women. Mm-hmm. And she said, how about we do a dinner or a, a event mm-hmm. 
to love on these women and make them feel good like get them gala dresses have their makeup done hair let's treat them like queens and so we were looking at different places and she's from los angeles and people from los angeles they're kind of a little different from us because they're more like uh, bougie. <laughs> a little Hollywood. Yeah, they're a little, little Hollywood. Hollywood. Like, and, we look at the community center here in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> we can charge $50. She was like, no, I want to celebrate them on the water. Oh, I want them on the like, water. And, and I said, and I said, okay. The Willamette. Are we going to be at your house? That's the water. So she called me and she said, Yolanda, um, I I got secured May fourth, though I think that's the weekend before Mother's Day, okay. um, for salties on the Columbia. Mm, love that restaurant. And right? we are going to pay and sponsor ten women from domestic violence shelters or any uh-huh. any anybody. Okay. Right now we only have two, but if you have anybody you want to refer uh-huh. over for their story, we're gonna bring them in. We they gonna be they gonna be dressed to the nines. Uh-huh. They're going to have a full course meal, uh, appetizers, beverages. Um, and But then we had probably like the room fits about 35. And so we had like the 30, the other seats to fill. Okay. But then we were like, okay, but we could also fill the other room too. And, she, and then so we said, we're going to do it because we want these women to know that they're loved. Mm-hmm. And what I was always taught from a child that love covers a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. Right. Love covers things and it'll bring people back from mental illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll bring mm-hmm. people back from drug addiction. So we, we said we're going to do that. And so um, we were facing a lot of opposition. Like, why would you pick the most expensive place? Like, you can treat these women. <laughs> no, like they were like, you can you can get them a good meal. No, no. Somebody said, let's do it at IHOP, and I was like, wait a minute. So. Me and Kalandra. So you know, it was just it, to me. It felt disrespectful <laughs> that I was going to honor no them. We like IHOP. We like your waffles. And if they want to sponsor something, please holler at these ladies because that we, could do it, we could do an event, right? Just not this event, short right? <laughs> so we wanted them to be in a. We want them to be yeah. treated like movie stars. You know yeah. how there's a red carpet and all that they deserve it and so we went we paid um gosh they're expensive Mm. (laughs) but we went half on the initial cost of it which um i don't know if i'm supposed to say this or not but it was well (laughs) okay it was a lot and um (laughs) it was it was a lot (laughs) <laughs> and um, then we said we're going to take the other tickets and we're going to sell them okay. so people can come and support, and support them. Okay. And the second part of that is any proceeds mm-hmm. from people donating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We um, were going to donate to a domestic violence home and then we were going to take the difference and apply it to the mentorship program okay. at Inner Beauty and You. Oh. So I had put an ad in Black Portland. I said, you know, I, I need women that have walked through this and whatever. Mm-hmm. And a young woman inboxed me. And okay. she said, you need to speak with Kenyatta Trice. Oh. Oh. And so I inboxed her. Mm-hmm. And I had inboxed her about a lot of stuff in the past <laughs> that, that, that didn't come to pass. So I was nervous about inboxing her because I didn't want her to think, oh, God, here she come with a new... <laughs> You know, with a new idea. And I said, Kenyatta, we want you to be the keynote speaker. speaker, Mm -hmm. Because everybody that mentions your name... Mm It's 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 a she's she's respected in the oh, town. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She is a woman of integrity. She's a woman of honesty. She got a heart. She's a businesswoman. She's a boss. She's a boss. That's all I gotta say. And so, and I I simply said to her what it was about, and you know what she said? Yeah, I'll do it. And I and then I said. Well, and wait, I was thinking. I will say, mm-hmm. uh, she said speaker. Speaker. Mm, it is a keynote. 
But you turned into the the reason why she's turned into the the keynote uh-huh. is because the accolades about who Ooh, she was yeah, was yeah. so great. Yeah. And so oh, wait, one more. <laughs> so when she started posting some of the pictures, I'm like, why am I the only one in the picture? I thought she said there was other yeah. people. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I learned I was the keynote. But you're like, the featured hey. speaker. So we have a I few like. more people that. <laughs> Um, we're going to do it. There were some people, and I'm just going to tell the truth. I'm going to put it out there. There were some people who were actually jealous of the fact that we wanted to spend money on women. And one of them was going to be a speaker. And she, we did a Christmas program. And she was, one of the other girls was like, well, my kids need toys too. Why are you joining a nonprofit Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to give to others. Yeah, and so yeah, I told her, sign up for our, our Christmas list and I'll get you in. So they were in this group causing, um, sowing discord okay. and doing things. So they had to go. Okay. So it's going it's going to probably be told in Portland anyway. So you might as well hear it to them from the mouth anyway. Uh-huh. They were being negative. Exactly. You, yeah. we, we don't do negative <laughs> in this organization. We operate in love. Yeah. We operate Absolutely. in uplifting women. So, uh, Calandra is another woman who had experienced extreme domestic violence. Yeah. One of the young ladies who was being slanderous and disrespectful to the organization, she was removed from being a speaker because. We don't want poison right. in our neck. It's a healing space. It's, so it's healing. It's safe. Yeah. So she was removed. Okay. Um, we have another young, um, not a young lady. Uh, well, I'm tripping up. I'm not young. I'm 50. A, 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 a woman of substance, a, a woman of wisdom. Yes. Um, um, her name is Walita Ross. Okay. Um, she's going to also be a speaker, okay. but they're going to come through and they're going to give 10, 15 minutes of gotcha. what they have to say. Okay. But I, I really wanted Kenyatta to have the space yes. to, to feed into these women because yes. of her spirit and what she does in the community. Right. Absolutely. So I know that, you know, we're talking about domestic violence, we're talking about all three of you all that you are punitive being together or being mm-hmm. keynote on, have all had some sort of experience with domestic violence. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much you guys care to share about your stories, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's important to I tell it all. We've only got an hour, so I would love to hear a little yeah. bit about your mm-hmm. story since you're being honored as the keynote speaker. What yeah. is it that, um, what's a little bit of your story if you don't mind? Um, hmm. A lot of bit of the story, um, but I mean, with mine, like I said, I met a man who was different. Mm-hmm. You know, he was older. Um, he was born. Mm-hmm. Um, he had his own business. He was ambitious, like all these things that mm-hmm. you want to check off of a list, mm-hmm. right? He was all these things, and um, it just in my growing up, you know, we were in a strict household for the most part. Like, if we mm-hmm. go to school after school, we go home mm-hmm. before we go mm-hmm. to your friend's house. And before I go to my friend's house, I need to let my mom know when, where, how, how yeah. to get home, when uh-huh. home. Right. And then also be home before the lights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Home, before the lights. Yeah, so I was in that type of a, a home, mom and dad there. Um, so we just kind of followed those rules. And I think now in hindsight, looking back, I think because I was already set up that way uh-huh. to kind of follow those instructions that I was born with, mm-hmm. it was easy for this person to be controlling of me. Because mm. gotcha. you, you need to follow lead. Because I follow instructions. You know, mm-hmm. so met and this that was man. A space. Yeah, mm-hmm. beautiful man. You know, I don't mind telling you where I'm going because if something happens to me now, you know where I am. Right, right. But that can be twisted in another light if it's depending on who has the information. So gotcha. um, I think it was just a lot easier. You know, I was mm-hmm. a lot passive. I was more passive then. So um, meeting him, being with him, the first six months were great, you know. Um, I didn't have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, in the midst of that, I lost my job. He was super supportive. Mm-hmm. Like all the things that you would want in okay. a relationship. Yeah. I got, I got okay. the support. I got the communication. Mm-hmm. I got the fun, the laughter. We went out, had fun, mm-hmm. and um, it started. 
every three to six months, something new. Mm. And I was like, hmm. But I didn't know what it was. Right. You know, I look at it in a different light. So we go out, and he doesn't want me talking to this guy or this guy. And I'm like, oh, he cares. Mm. Yeah. You know how that gets perceived. Yeah, yeah, like he cares about me. Yeah. You think it's love. And but it's yeah. not. Yeah. Right? Um, and then just, you know, gradually, it literally went in stages as I think back, you know, first six months, great. The next six months, arguing, mistrust. Mm. The next six months, where are you going? Who are you going with? I don't want you there. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it was just kind of like, okay, now you're yelling. Mm-hmm. Now you're disrespectful. Now you're pushing. Mm-hmm. Then you're hitting. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting even more creative. So I experienced mm-hmm. a lot of the physical, um, physical to the point of tying my hands behind my back oh. and beating me. That physical. Physical oh, wow. to the point of, you know, it, it really killed me because I felt like a slave would feel. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting my back beat, Ooh. and then he's making me a bath of peroxide and alcohol, oh, and I yeah. have to get in there. Um, it just got to a, a point where I was too scared to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, during the course of that relationship, um, being pulled over by the police, having checked at the home, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. the police did not touch him. Wow. So they that lost, com- that made me lose confidence in like, mm-hmm. you feel like no I can't even get No one's going to help yeah. you. And I thought that for myself, you know, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. someone would have, if I would have reached out in a different manner, mm-hmm. but just in seeing that, I was like, I want to yeah. get on. I mean, it's the people that are paid to protect. Well, but protect. the thing also yeah. with the police yeah. is like, they, it, they don't want to be bothered. They, not only do they not want to be bothered, but someone has to be like within losing their life yeah. before mm-hmm. they want to take action. So they're not about preventative care. Yes. They're about fixing something after it's happened, and that yeah. the reactive versus yeah. proactive. The only good thing with the police is because the area we lived in, they came. Mm-hmm. Right, they came quick. Right. So I was like, Yeah, at least they came. They're gonna come. Relief, right. But he just had a way. He was a manipulator, right. mm. a, a king of manipulation. So he had a way to verbalize whatever, and then still me, I'm scared. So when they ask me, "Ma'am, are you okay?" It's everything okay because at some point they're gonna leave and you still gotta deal with the aftermath yeah and right. so we get which is sometimes over. worse because it, right. now you got people involved and in my business right now you put me on paper yep right now you got you know um yeah. get pulled over he literally is getting smart with the police officer and i'm just like oh he's gonna get it i'm like yes and they don't do anything so i'm mm. like what so I felt like I, you know, and then too, you know, with family, they were there to support, but they can only do so much when I keep going back. Right, right. right. So it's like, at, you know, people were like, why aren't you mad at your mom and your dad and your brother for not helping? I'm like, I can't be because when I called out for help, I went back mm-hmm. and I went back a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's just a part of that cycle. Yeah. cycle and yeah. process, you know. Um, so that's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. Okay. <laughs> but, oh, I, got, yeah. I got questions, but we got to get to, okay, so tell us a little bit about your story, yeah. Miss Yolanda. Um, what hurts my heart, and um, mm-hmm. I went to therapy. Mm-hmm. I, I still go to therapy. Oh, okay. Um, when I was younger, um, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, and physical mm-hmm. abuse was normal. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I didn't know that what was happening to me right. was wrong. Right. So, um, growing up, when I growing up, what ended up happening is um, I got in. Uh, okay, let's just be real. I'm gonna be real because I think that's this time for that. Mm-hmm. When I was a younger girl, I was a, a cute girl. Lots of guys liked me, and mm-hmm. they liked to talk to me. And and um, but I was the type of woman that would easily fall in love. Okay. And so what ended ended up happening is I met a guy, and it, so I when I wrote the story to you, I kind of had it backwards. I had the mm-hmm. the the first abuse first but it was really second. So I got involved with a guy and he was living at my house and I had um, my son Mm -hmm. and I just got tired of him being there because he took me to work. He took me to my second job. Mm -hmm. He controlled me. And so I asked him to leave my house. So he went into my closet and pulled a gun out and held it to my head. 
and then first sign of abuse um because i said i was i grew up with abuse i didn't know the signs that this was this is bad it shouldn't happen i just thought this is what happens and so um i was finally able to get him out of there by calling the police but he moved his brother into my apartment complex um he stalked me outside of my house he stalked me at my job um i would drive places he would show up and so one day he had met me at a car wash and i was i was there back in the day we used to call it when we would talk with each other politicking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so i was out at the car wash politicking with some of my friends and they was looking behind me like there's somebody who want to talk to you and i turned and he was standing there going i was like oh lord so he's like just get in the car i just want to talk to you for a minute Mm -hmm. and i was like don't get in a car but then the other side of me was like maybe he'll calm down Mm -hmm. as soon as i got in the car he started to tick off probably about 100 miles an hour and now this is up and down MLK, Union Avenue, yeah. oh, Arbor. Wow. You know how yeah. small those streets right. are. And he was like, yeah, you don't want to be with me no more. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And before that happened, you know, he um, would get mad at me and he would hit me and knock me out, mm-hmm. um, choke me out. Just, and and, and I, I, I don't, I, I was a woman that I really respected myself and loved myself but then I thought about like girl you don't really love yourself after I got older right that wasn't love that was really a it came from childhood that that was normal and so he took me to the back of his grandmother's house and poured a big gulp on my head so back in the 90s girls went to the salon every week to get their hair done and I had my hair like finger waved up you know whatever and so he had pit, he had rock rollers in a cage. He let them out, and they were surrounding me. He said, "I'm gonna let my my rock rollers tear you up." And um, next thing I know, you know, he's hitting me, and I'm thinking I'm gonna die. His grandma came out and said, "Let that girl go and leave her alone." He was like, "But she hurt me, grandma. But she didn't want me no more." And she looked at me and she took me by my shoulder and she said. You stay away from him. Yep. Wow. And so for about three or three or four years after that, he was still stalking me. So he stalked me to the point I had gotten a new relationship with a man. Mm-hmm. This man went to my son's father's house and told him my baby was his. Oh. Oh wow. So he was he was nonstop stalking me. And then when the police I had a restraining order. Whenever it was time for them to come get him, he they wouldn't get him. So when he put the gun on me, he also actually took. Remember those big TVs? They weren't big screens, but they was real big, like three hundred pounds. And the big bags. Yeah. yeah. They were like, yeah. It was so like, yeah. on one of the days he had abused me, he grabbed my TV and ran out. And then he had his family members calling me, going, "Yeah, that's why we got your TV." That's so heavy. How is he moving so fast? <laughs> you, know, you don't just put it under your arm. Are strong. Crazy. They are strong as hell. When I found out he, my son was three months old. When I found out he went to my son's father's house yeah. and was telling him that was his, the, uh, sir, please, please go to school and, and learn how babies are created. There's no way that my, we haven't dealt with each other in three years. There's no way this is your child. Right. Um, I seen his mom in uh, May K and she was like, he want to see his baby. Now, mind you, so his I'm, family helped aid his. his, his, his <laughs> crazy, right? Oh, so God. I'm a brown skinned girl. My son's father is are you two color, <laughs> and my son is y'all two color. <laughs> I know that genetics skips things, right? But this is not your child. <laughs> right. So finally I came outside one day and he was sitting outside my car. He was sitting outside my house in my car. But before that, there's so many episodes of beating me, hitting me, taking me to to work, me having sunglasses on. And like, I'm like, I'm a bomb female. Like, that's my thought right there. Like, why am I beating, where am I being beaten? 
And so I literally had to take my son, by then he was six months, okay. and my oldest son was seven, and I had to leave the state. Mm. And I moved to Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay. Was that a better uh, situation for you in Vegas? It was very, it was a lot better for okay. me. Okay. I, I um, have such bad feelings behind Vegas. Um, Vegas is real bad now. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so I lived there, uh, I moved there in 99, and then I believe uh, 20, 2002, 2003, I met another man. Okay. And we got married. And I moved to Georgia, and we bought a house. And he was really nice to my children. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day I came home, and my oldest son was standing outside in the cold. And I said, why are you standing out in the cold? And he said, he said, I can't come in the house because if I don't want to listen to him, then I'm going to stand outside and freeze. Oh. So I went in the house, and I said, you lock my son outside in the cold. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, and I'll do it again. Oh, and yeah. so... Um, one time we were in a fight and he lifted his hands to hit me Mm -hmm. and my oldest son walked in and saw him with his fist Uh to hit me and i screamed at my son call the police Mm -hmm. because i felt as a mother Mm -hmm. to let my black son see Mm -hmm. a man hit me i could never live that down if it if it if I if I didn't do something, so I ended up, he was in the military. I had to end up calling the sergeant, getting him out of there. Mm-hmm. So what he would do, he would do a lot of stuff. He would be like, he would call and be like, I'm on my way home, I'm on my way home. And then one day he was on his way home, and I seen someone drop him off down the street in a truck, and he came running up. But he had been so, ab- he, my youngest son, who was three, um, when three-year-old boys are often attached to their mother, mm-hmm. so when he would try to come and cuddle with me, he would call him names like you, a, you, a, you, a, mm-hmm. Evan. Mm-hmm. What you do? You suck D. I mean, like he talking to my he yes. Oh, and I was like, I was thinking, God, I he moved to this place, and so I had won a lawsuit against a company. Okay. Um, they call a whistleblower. But they was making us work overtime and wasn't paying us. So the labor department grant, I, I did a lawsuit. I won a $50,000 um, lawsuit, mm-hmm. gave my lawyer 20 and 30. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking, now at that time we was married, I wasn't thinking at the time that he wasn't focused on my money because we had been dating, dating for a Seems moment. Right yeah, gotcha. so when I moved there, he was, you know the Kirby vacuums that are $1,000? He was, he, then he wanted an Escalade. That was 5000 He was just going through my, he was, he was scheming through my money. So one day the ner- the neighbor said to me, um, I'm, you're my friend and I want to tell you something. Your husband's been going on the weekend to see an ex-girlfriend and cheating on you. And because I care about you, I don't want that to happen. Because he was so abusive to me and my kids, when he came home one day, I had a weed whacker, you know, the one that you oh, you oh, whack the, the car. And so I bought the Escalade, so the Escalade was destroyed by me. But in the process, what he would do is um, one night I put my children to sleep, and my oldest son, he was seven at the time, he grabbed my hand before I walked out, and he's like, Mom, are you going to be okay tonight? And I was like, why do you say that? He said, because I hear you screaming. Oh. And um, I said, I'm going to be okay tonight. So um, this is going to be a little graphic. Hopefully it's not too graphic for the news. Okay. But he was a man that watched pornography. Uh-huh. And so um, he would want me to watch pornography with him. Mm. Naked. Like, oh. but strip naked and watch pornography. Mm. And then he would like to strangle me. Till I passed out. Oh, um, wow. One night I was strangled till I passed out and I woke up and it was literally, it was like a, like I wasn't going to make it. Mm. And he said, B-I-T-C-H, get up. You pretending like you harmed and oh. there's nothing wrong with you. So I'm like going through this and I'm like, I bought this house. I took my kids out of what they had. Mm. And so I called my friend in Las Vegas and I was like, can I send my kids there because I'm getting ready to leave oh, yeah. and I got to run for my life. Mm. 
So he would do stuff like, um, so the final straw was he locked my son outside again. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had a mental trigger right, that flipped. Right, right. And I came and I said, you locked my son outside. And he was like, yeah, I, I locked that eff- 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 uh, derogatory right. homophobic slur right. outside. And so I took a chair and hit him. He chased me around the table um, when he got his hands on me. Um, he beat me within an inch of my life. And um, at that moment, I said, girl, like, you're Yolanda Antoinette Williams. There were so many incidents. I yeah. would leave in night in night robes to a hotel mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and everything like that. And um, I didn't know that after all, I eventually left him. And because we were signing the deed, he was trying to work me out of the money and mm-hmm. the deed. And then he, I moved back to Las Vegas. And guess what he did? Moved to Las he Vegas. Moved he Vegas. moved to Las Vegas. Uh-huh. So I was like, I was like, and then he was pretending to be right, nice to right. my kids again. And oh, I was like, it was just so much. Your oldest, when he was locking him out, he was seven? He was seven years old. And he was in Georgia, it was like winter at the yeah. time. So uh-huh. he was very cold. It can get cold down there, um, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then my youngest son, I think one time he seen me with a black eye. Okay. And he wouldn't look at me. He just would hold his head down and mm-hmm. he would cry. Mm-hmm. And I he said, yeah. You. I said, oh, my God, if I do not fix this situation, I'm going to have yeah. black men I'm raising mm-hmm. traumatized right. beyond words. And they're going to they might end up to be abusers. Right. They right. might look at me and never respect me the same right. or whatever. And so I a lot of things that happen out of those situations. And I wonder. Um, so how long did it take for both of you guys to get out of, of your situation? Um, the first situation, because he stalked me so long, it took about three years. The second situation, we were only married a year. And at the end of it, after being beaten so bad in the way he treated me, I left. All that in a year. When you were beaten the way you were, were the police involved? Um, I called his, um, sergeant and he made him move out of the home. But police didn't come like they came to your home? There were no... No, the police were like in that town in Warner Robins, Georgia. It's a it's a military town, oh, so they're, they're, they're the the police and the military are in yep. cahoots. Yep. And so his sergeant made him stay out for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and then said, "Oh, he's you know he's Change. better. He can come back." Right. No, I think that he wanted to destroy me. Right. Because who yeah. I was, yeah. like he was like who she thinks she is. I'm gonna break her down. The whole power thing, like it's like I'm gonna get someone that I think is fine, bad, you know, all break these her things. Down. I'm gonna break her because that makes me more powerful and in yep. control, and I, I'm above her at this point. Right. Yeah. It's about lifting himself by putting you down. Right. And exactly. For you to get out of your situation. Um, for me to successfully, uh, it took eight and a half years. Wow. Um, before I left, um, he. Uh, we were living with his family, mm-hmm. and you know, when we're living somewhere else and we're not paying, mm-hmm. let me clean up, let me right. do things around the house. Um, and it's his female cousin, okay. Um, so I offered to do things around the house that needed to be done, <laughs> but um, that turned into, Oh, you're a lesbian, you're oh, keeping Lord. Me my cousin, and I'm like, Nah, that's not me. Um, so that turned into fighting or him beating me. Um, and what happened was he <clears throat> was also in some construction. Okay. He was in construction, so uh, he had a lot of um, tools. So when he thought me and his cousin were messing around or what have you, he beat me with um, the industrial hammer. Mm. And he beat me so much where I lost consciousness. Mm. This is the first time I've ever mm. been out. When I woke up, I didn't know what was going on. I just know he was standing over me, shaking me, saying, I had to wake up, wake up. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, what's wrong? Right. Everything is fine. Right. I didn't feel any pain. Um, and then I see my son sitting at the edge of the bed, and he was just watching TV. He was 
five at the time. Trying to zone out. So he was just sitting mm. there, and I'm like, in in my mind now, thinking, why is he standing over me, shaking me, asking if I'm okay, and my right. son's just sitting there, wow. motionless. Mm. Um, and then just like at that moment, my arm started throbbing. Mm. Um, I had blood all down my arm, blood on my clothes, um, and then this other family member came. He went into the front room, and I was just like, I can't. Mm. I can't be here anymore. Right. Like, this is not going to work. So it was a one-level apartment um, out in Gresham. Mm-hmm. I jumped out the window of the bedroom, and I'm reaching for my son to come, but he was too scared to come. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm at this point. Now I'm outside the window. Mm. Um, jumping out is easy. Right. Jumping in. So mm. I'm now trying to get back in before he comes into the room. Oh, and I can't get back in. Now my arms, I can feel the pain. I can't oh, lift up. So it's like I had to leave. Um, mm. In my mind, I was like, he's not going to hurt my son because that was his first son. Okay. And that was like his prized right, possession. Right, you know? right. um, so I ran. I ran all the way down to the division, ran up. Oh. And I ended up jumping two fences, which... I did not know what to do. Okay. <laughs> that, that adrenaline was, yeah. was going. Yeah. Super yeah. warm. So there was a, I can't think of the name of the school, but it's right there off of Division uh-huh. 182nd, I think, Division. Okay. So it was in the middle of a field. It was an open field, and I jumped in the garbage can, mm. the little blue garbage can. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm just going to duck down as far as I can. I know that he can't see me unless he was standing right on yeah. the uh-huh. porta potty that was next to me. Okay. Um, I heard these car wheels on the gravel and I'm like he found me he must have seen me oh my gosh you know this is probably going to be it mm-hmm. for me and then I I was in there for like an hour and I keep hearing cars and uh-huh. I'm hearing doors right when I finally decided to pop out I was counting to like a hundred uh-huh. over and over and over so right. I get the courage to pop out because now I'm hearing people oh people are throwing garbage on me mm. and when I pop out it's like a whole little league <gasps> oh situation. no Never mind me. And this is all like this black girl jumping out of the garbage, oh, and I'm just like embarrassed. But uh-huh. at the same time, I'm like, he's not here. Yeah, and there's too many people. Yeah. Um, and I just remember walking down Pal, not knowing mm. where to go. I was too proud. And to still injured at this point, like because she injured. Yeah. Well, actually, excuse me. Before I jumped out, I changed my clothes. Oh, okay. Oh, so okay. I was still injured, but I didn't have blood. But you look good, though. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was all right. <laughs> May not have smelled too fresh. <laughs> smelled like trash, but I look good. That part. <laughs> so I ended up, like, just walking and catching the bus to my mom's house. Um, and as I was crossing the street to go to my mom's and say, you know what? Mm-hmm. Swallow your pride. Just tell her. Because I think a part of it was I didn't want my mom to know what was going on. When right. my mom first met him, she said, said yeah. something yeah. about him I don't like. That made mm. me mad because I was like, he is just everywhere. Right, and now she's right. 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 And, and she pissed you off. Now I gotta tell her she's right. <laughs> right. right. Um, so I was yeah. afraid to do that, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to because yeah. this is different. Yeah. You know, even though he was still beating me, and that's not different, but I've never been knocked unconscious. Yeah. Um so I just I'm curious because mm-hmm. I know that we've talked a lot about like the trauma and the things that have happened, but mm-hmm. what where's the healing part? Like how do people how get you out heal? of that situation? And like we know that you guys had like your breaking points, right? Mm-hmm. But what what are the resources that you guys were able to tap into that really supported you? So in you those know moments? what? During my time, people were giving me resources, but I wasn't. Even when I was away, he was still controlling me. Gotcha. We went through a whole court proceeding with me and him together trying to get custody of my mm-hmm. son back. Oh, wow. So it because was you left him. because I left him, oh, but yeah. during the courts, he still had that control. So wow. I thought that me and him had to show that we were a happy couple uh-huh. in order to get our son. Because uh-huh. I wasn't in the state to and, get my son. And again, the only reason why he had your son is because you had to escape. I, oh, yeah. Oh. When I escaped, I was gone for three months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And he applied for state assistance. Yep. Mm-hmm. Of course. So, and he, so he became the primary. Him. Yep. I know and exactly I how that there. goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and then one other time he came back after three months. And I was like, I need to see my son. So mm-hmm. I see my son. Mm-hmm. I go outside of my mom's house with no shoes on. So I'm like, he's not going to do anything if I have. In front of my mom's house, yeah. with no shoes on. I get in the car. He asked me what I was doing for the whole three months. I'm honest. I tell the truth what happened. Mm-hmm. He didn't believe me. He slammed my head on the, um, the dashboard. dashboard. Oh. He was doing carpentry in an apartment um, up the way, so he drove to that apartment. My son was in the back seat. He went in. He said, I'm going to tell my boss that I'm leaving for the day, and I'm going to come back and whoop your ass. 
So when he goes in the building inside the complex, and I'm just like, I can't. Mm. So I go out the window, and I try to get my son, and my son was holding on to the seat. Mm. He was too scared for me. Mm. Mm. Um, so I'm again, yeah, I'm outside the door. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know when he's coming out, so mm. I had to leave. So yeah. a big part of that for me, it really affected me a lot. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, because I left my son right. yet again. Right. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, my son had marks on him. Mm-hmm. Oh God! When I found out that his dad did that, was harming him. It made me even more like I'm terrible. Mm-hmm. I was physically protecting myself, not protecting my son. So mm-hmm. I still fight with that. Yeah. You know, internally. Mm-hmm. But you know, they like when you're taking the flight and the airline attendants talk about in the event of emergency mm-hmm. and the masks come yeah, down, you have to protect mm-hmm. yourself before you can even yeah. help anybody mm-hmm. else. Right. Mm-hmm. No, so it's like, so as much that, as that may be hard to yeah. digest that you had to leave your son, you wouldn't be any assistance to your son had you stayed. Right. Exactly. Right. And then there's that part of it. That, so yeah. um, even just going through that process, the help that I did receive yeah. from the Domestic Violence Center, because I wasn't in the state of mind to accept it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't with it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm in rooms with women who drown their babies, who do this. I'm like, oh, I would never do that. Oh, and I set myself Jesus. outside of them, not thinking about right. the overall situation that they're in. Yeah. You know? Right, right, right. So okay. I didn't accept it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Really what was it like for you to, um, to heal and to work through some of that? How did you come to a better place, headspace? Um, what happened was after I had... And, and these are just 10% of what I what right, happened what right, to, to me in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I went through was, and this may not be for everybody, mm-hmm. I talked to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, God, you know, why am I going through this? Why am I, why am I suffering? Mm-hmm. And the Lord said, you keep choosing the same thing over mm-hmm. and over and over and over again. And when I created you in your mother's womb, I, I knew you before you were formed. Mm-hmm. And I, I got mad. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. So I'm doing everything that I can to be a good woman to these people and they mm-hmm. treat me like trash. Mm-hmm. And I went to a, 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 a season of celibacy of just loving on myself. Right, right. Mas- going to get facials, massages, mm-hmm. spending mm-hmm. time with my kids. And um, I would have little incidents that happened where I would have really dark periods of depression. Yeah. And people would be like, you need therapy. And in my family, therapy's taboo. Ooh, black oh, yeah, people don't. You don't go to therapy. You yeah. go to church. Black people right, don't right. do therapy. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, I started going to therapy. I started praying, and um, I began to read my. I began to read my Bible, and I began to recognize my identity. Yeah, yeah. And I said, if I'm good to you, why would you be wrong? You know, treat me wrong. Right. And I said, God, I, I'm not going to never let another man mm. treat me like this. I'm not going to never. I have, you know, family, people in my family, they get mad at me because I come, I come roll through yep. <laughs> on, on, on the brothers that are mistreating them. <laughs> right. And they want to stay with them. And right. so I said, well, you want to stay with him? When he, right. th- when he done hitting you upside your head, mm-hmm. we'll talk about it. I had to take something deep within myself and mm-hmm. I had to know my worth. Yeah. And did I okay, I'm not saying I did it on my own. I did it through therapy. I, I threw it through I did it through prayer. I I did it through self help mm-hmm. books. And I and I and I because I had I've had near death experiences, mm-hmm. I said, God, you ain't got me on this earth still living after what I've been through right, right. to not accomplish anything right so i said god i'm gonna take what you directed me to do and i'm gonna put my all in it mm-hmm. and do do i i have a husband now we've been married 
it's gonna be 11 years oh, wow. he's from the south congratulations he treats me like a queen to the point that he'd be like you know you getting treated so much like a queen you lazy right now um can you please get up and get your own water and well deserved she'd be like no <laughs> more ice please <laughs> i had to there's a um, song out called um loving myself loving uh-huh. myself um i i don't think that until you come into the knowledge of loving yourself yeah and it yeah. comes through therapy yeah it comes through other women that are empowered because one yeah. thing i don't think you should do is have conversations with single women that are also being beaten because they're going to tell you, girl, he love you. He wouldn't put hands on you if he didn't. Yeah. I don't think you should hear um, advice from older women that have been with men for 50 years that he done had 50,000 kids yeah. and he's so beating on them. Mm-hmm. You need to get with women that build you up and say, right. you too good for that and you mm-hmm. can do this and you can do that. It is a process that you still go through years after. I don't know no woman that's ever been battered right. that can say that she she don't have no feeling where she she didn't feel that hurt. Right. It's a it's a consistent learning yeah. thing. I got so like I know that you both had kind of shared that there were signs early on, and I know that you said you didn't recognize the signs, but looking back, you do. So what mm-hmm. are some things that women can? recognize that might be grooming for this type of relationship the man want to be the king of the house <laughs> but isn't that what women want though so we can work but 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 uh, this is the point uh-huh. i was listening to this gr- uh, lady named princella the queen maker okay and she said that um jewelry so you know you see men that wear jewelry that attracts women Mm-hmm. You see men that have nice cars that attract women. Mm-hmm. Money attracts women. In reality, women are attracted to feminine energy. So mm-hmm. now think about it. Money says, look at me. Luxury. Right. Cars right. say, look at me. Yeah. Because it kind of gives off the, the vibe that you, right. know, you can take care of me. And it's, even with married people, married yeah. men, they said they're the most sought after man in because the world. Because they got that jewelry on their hands. But guess, but why? But why? Because that is feminine energy. So um, I think that the thing that comes into play with that is that women as a whole, Mm -hmm. instead of us recognizing that we are a sister shit, we look at each other as competition. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do something here right now. Looking at you, I don't have the bedroom eyes that you have. (laughs) Looking at you, I don't, I don't, I don't have the silky smooth skin you got, (laughs) and the beautiful beat um, cheekbones. And looking at you, I don't see your beautiful smile. So we're looking at each other as competition, and often men who are abusive, and and I'm not saying they're not all cheaters. But they got their choice of the women because in the 90s, the worst that we could do to dress in in, in tr- trampy was Daisy Dukes. <laughs> the women today, they are uh, they uh, the the bra, yeah, the the panty liner, and thing like yeah. that. So I think that you know we gotta recognize who we are as women. And if we and if I if I don't if if I look different from you, Kenyatta. That's because God created me yeah. to look different from you or you or you. It's, it's all a thing that we, we got to set standards for yes. ourselves. If we don't set standards for ourselves, men, now we got to think about it. A lot of men came from broken homes where there wasn't a father. Right. There's a, I, yeah. And the mothers were having different boyfriends running through and everything like mm-hmm. that. So I'm not excusing the abuser, mm-hmm. but... Who, be, who abused him? What, what happened who, to you? Yeah, right, who abused yeah. him? Yeah. Who did he have to look up to? Right. So I think that if we take that self-love and we love ourselves and we know how to love ourselves, then we can yeah. then learn how to love a man and then we can see if he's coming to us with negative energy right. and he want to tear us down. I'm going to tell you this. We see the red signs. <laughs> we, we see the red flags. Right. But we don't want to accept the red flags. Mm-hmm. 
because we're looking we for stuff. Right. Because right. I haven't. Do it too exactly. Somebody else, not me. And I think, too, mm-hmm. um, for me, I know that everyone is not perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're with somebody, there's going to be something about that person that you don't like. Right. Whatever that one thing is or those two things, can you live with it throughout mm-hmm. the rest of your mm-hmm. life? So when you have that kind of mindset, it allows you to be more open mm-hmm. to accept some of the things that other people may deem as negative. Yeah. Right. right. So I think, too, when you're looking at the signs, it just depends on that person, how they were brought up, what they've done in their life, right. to know if to to see if they have that ability or that power to manipulate. Right. And sometimes when people manipulate, it's not always in a bad way, but when they realize, oh, mm-hmm. I can do that with mm-hmm. this. And get power. And I think yeah. it just kind of, it gets over, mm-hmm. they get overboard with it. You know, mm-hmm. they just kind of keep going with it. And like, what else can I do? What else can I do? Um, and like, for me, I didn't go through therapy. Mm-hmm. Therapy I went through was court ordered, which mm-hmm. I wasn't there for. Right. I wasn't there right. to finish it and be done. Yeah. Right, right, right. When I did go to therapy, I understand what therapy is for. Mm-hmm. I want to try it. Yeah. <laughs> but then the first therapist that I went to go see, I felt like all they wanted was to be done. Oh. Mm. And oh, make wow. that money because it was court ordered. the right therapist. So hard. hard. <laughs> you were listening to me, and I'm, now I'm yeah. crying. I'm telling you everything that's happening. And now we got five minutes left. So and then the next time is going. Okay, we'll see you yeah. next week. Right. right. So I'm supposed yeah. to come back in and next do this week again. And, it's emotionally no. drained. The only reason right. why I went to therapy, and I wanted a black therapist, mm-hmm. right? And so I met with her. And her therapy was she wanted. It was more like a gossip session. She wanted oh. to know what he do, then what you say about me, oh. then what would happen. And I ended up going to a white therapist, uh-huh. and let me tell you why. So if, if let's say we all through three, four, five, six, God help me, just drink. <laughs> Girl, I see you like, chewing on that fruit. Like, that pineapple good. Like, if we all know a mutual friend, and they know you, they know you, they know you, they know you, they know me. And we're telling them our, our mm-hmm. thoughts. How can they really be non-biased? Because they know you and they know me. There's going to be a bias there. So when I went to my therapist, she didn't know me from a can of paint. Right, yeah. And she was a white woman. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that they don't know, Mm -hmm. but there are some cultural people that that you need to go. It's a very small black community, so everybody knows everybody. It's hard. Mm -hmm. We find it hard to build trust amongst... um, people who we got to share secrets with yeah it's right. really difficult there are people out there so we're not saying there's not but i totally understand what you're saying and, and mm. people might not understand like why it's so difficult to find a a, a non-biased a non-connected black therapist in mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's tough sometimes yeah um i know but god this is such a good like just so much and i wish I we had more like, time I yeah. Know. <laughs> I do. yeah i want to know just just quickly like if you could give one piece of advice to yourself at a mm-hmm. younger age knowing what you know now what would it be Besides run, <laughs> um, besides listen to your mama, uh-huh. um, it's just kind of just pay attention to what's going on. Understand yeah. and know what you want for yourself. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think for me, because I was still building up my me, mm-hmm. I didn't know what King Adam wanted. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, just on that spectrum, I didn't know what I wanted to yeah. be. So mm-hmm. I'm just out here trying things. Yeah. So just in, in the midst of trying things and seeing what works, you know, that whole hidden spaghetti against the wall type mm-hmm. of thing, mm-hmm. seeing what sticks. Just kind of reflect on like what is important to me. What are my values? What do mm-hmm. I deem to mm-hmm. be important right. for myself? Right. And I think a lot of people don't do that. Um, mm-hmm. Even just recently, some of the um, the folks that have come to me for assistance and mm-hmm. like, where can I go for this help? Mm-hmm. A lot of this is like, what do you want for yourself? Yeah. It's going to be hard. Yeah. But you got to come back to you first yeah. so you know what to do next. Yeah. So I think that. In hindsight, looking back, I wish I would have been the me now. Yeah. But also, what I've been through made me made who you who you are. Absolutely. So even though I don't like what I've been through or how I went through it, I'm happy that it happened because mm-hmm. it opened my eyes up to a lot of yeah. different things: how to communicate, how to talk yeah. to people, mm-hmm. how to help people. So yeah. I just think understanding what we want individually is mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, mine is don't follow your heart. Mm. Mm. Follow your mind. Mm, because yeah. your heart wants what it wants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your mind is there for logical things. Exactly. So okay. if you are following your heart, this could be the, the biggest red 
like this person could be terrible, yeah. but you love yeah. them, yeah. so you're following them. But if you take a one moment mm-hmm. to listen to your mind's logic, yeah. you'll find like, this isn't a good idea. And even mm-hmm. though it's going to tear my heart apart, yeah. I got to find my logic. Yeah. So I would say follow your mind okay. and not your heart. I love yeah. it. And where can people um, go to buy tickets for this event? Okay. They can go on to my page, Yolanda Merriweather. Um, they can go on to Kenyatta Trice's place because it is also shared on hers. Facebook page. Uh, I was gonna say, is your page uh, Instagram or Facebook? Um, Facebook. Okay. Um, they can also go to my um, Facebook page, Inner Beauty and You. And they can also inbox um, Kenyatta or me or Calandra um, for tickets as well. Beautiful. And so they can find you personally if they want if they have information or if they want to. Girl, I'm all over Facebook. Just real quick though, when is the cutoff date to when's the absolute latest? Oh, because yeah. I want people not to sleep on getting their tickets. Yeah. Um because we have a limited amount of tickets, mm-hmm. um, we can get a bigger room if necessary. Okay. Um, but I would would like for people to buy their tickets by May first May because okay. the okay. event is uh, May fourth, okay. and okay. I want to yeah. emphasize yeah. that <laughs> people are are kind of caught up on the point that oh it's a it's a fundraiser it's a fundraiser it's a fundraiser. It is a appreciation dinner with okay. a seminar, and any funds that we make beyond it yeah. will be donated. Yeah. And so it is a tax write-off as well. So it is a tax okay. write-off. They oh, yeah. will receive a receipt, 501c3 okay. um, tax-deductible well. receipt. But it is to, um, Kenyatta, what is the... Um, the, the actual the um, organization. organization you yeah, wanted so to the, donate I to. I thought it was dope that she did ask me what organizations do I want any of the additional proceeds to go to. And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. that's cool. So I selected Women's First. Okay. It's a trans, she's going to get me, but Shannon Olive with Women's First. It's a transitional resource center. Okay. okay. Um, and it helps women who have been domestically abused or women who are trying to get back onto the right track. Mm-hmm. In different areas. Oh, that's of dope. That's so. amazing. Okay, and where can they find you, Miss Kenyatta Trice? Uh, if they want some support, Facebook so. under Kenyatta Trice um, okay. on Facebook in Trice OCS or okay. Instagram. Um, it's Yada Bumbada. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but they can find me there, and I'll be posting um, okay. throughout the. And we'll next be sure to share your guys' content as well. Absolutely. Yes. Where can they find you? So I can be found on all platforms of Dirty Roses Podcast, including our website, DirtyRosesPodcast.com. And you can follow us on our social media as on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. If you want to reach me personally, I can be found on Instagram at Nick B underscore Nick B. That's Nick okay. <laughs> and Miss Lee where can we find yes, you? You can find me everywhere. <laughs> um, on all platforms, it's Lee Larie, L-E-I-G-H-L-A-R-I-E. And again, like Nick B said, on DirtyRosesPodcast.com. And we will catch y'all next time. Bye. Thank you. Guess what, Rose Buddies? We are thrilled to introduce our new sponsorship packages. Be sure to hit us up at DirtyRosesPodcast.com to inquire how we can showcase your brand on our platforms. 